Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Shell Pinzo Performance Line like Ryan Clark. Green Stradamus with you here on this Wednesday before Christmas. As I said before, it is uh, it is sort of an interesting day for me. It's a big day because it's my last day doing this show for the year. I came back here to radio August 17th. I haven't taken a day off since then. I haven't, I haven't taken any time off this year with the pandemic and everything else. You know, we've had so much going on here at ESPN. I'm going to take the last week of the year off, and then I will come back starting off the, to the beginning of next year, and I'm moving times. I'm moving up two hours. I'll be on starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So sort of feels a little bit like the ending of something here today, and then we will start something new and hopefully bigger and better than ever coming up off the top of the new year. But so what I'm doing on this day is I'm, I'm looking into the future. All the things that are going to happen over the next 10 days. Green Stradamus, we're calling it, and we will get to those in a little while here in this hour. Again, Ryan Clark will join me and a whole lot more. But I, I've not yet touched on last night's basketball games. You now, it's interesting to have the NBA back. Everything, the scheduling is all so weird now. Like, here we are headed towards Christmas, and usually these big Christmas Day matchups, we've been watching these teams play for six, eight weeks. Instead, now we've seen two games. It's very hard to make a real value judgment on anything in two games. But here's the one thing I will tell you I took out of last night. I don't know how much of it you watched last night. You had Lakers, Clippers last night. Clippers won. And then you had Nets, Warriors in Brooklyn. Nets, blowout. The one thing I took out of the four teams we saw last night is that Kevin Durant looked great. That is by far the most important thing. And that is important in any number of ways. First and foremost, the NBA needs it. The NBA, you know, we all, these sports leagues, they have their ebbs and their flows, right? You have ups and downs. And it's been a little bit of a down for the league in a variety of different ways. And one of the ways that they start moving that back up is by getting some of their injured stars back. Last year was a year where they were missing a ton of guys. Steph Curry, same game, Steph Curry back on the floor. And Kevin Durant, who's one of the biggest stars and greatest players the league has ever had. So it is wonderful to see him back on the floor. But the significance of him goes well beyond just that. It is about a team and a franchise trying to carve something out, and I think something potentially interesting. You know, the New York market, which is the epicenter of the basketball world, has just been starving. I mean, beyond starving. What's beyond starving? Famished. I, I, don't, I don't know what is beyond that. Um, because the, 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 the flagship franchise has been unimaginably bad, just not even so bad that you lose your ability to be upset about it anymore and you just start ignoring it uh, for, for so long now that it's, it's impossible to believe. And so is it possible that a, the, the Brooklyn Nets come and take a real chunk out of that and, and create like a big-time East Coast team that people all across the country get interested and excited about? Because that's the way the sport works now. You know, the sport used to be about well, the Boston Celtics in the 80s owned the Eastern Conference, and then the Pistons were trying to knock on the door, and they couldn't quite get past Boston. And then they finally did, and they won a couple of championships, and the Bulls were coming along behind them with Michael, and they couldn't quite knock off the Pistons, and then they finally did, and they won the championship. Not like that anymore. The sport now is like, let's put three guys together and try and win it tomorrow. And that is what it is. It's not changing. So you can say, I liked it better the old way. Candidly, I liked it better the old way, too. But what the hell difference does it make what we like better? This is the way it is now. So the best thing they can have is a really good, exciting team with high-profile superstars in Brooklyn. That's the best-case scenario. And last night, I think, made you feel at least some optimism, and you can't jump to conclusions, but made you feel at least some optimism that that's what you're going to get. Because Durant looks great. 
And if Durant is going to be great, then Kyrie Irving can slide into the role that he is obviously more naturally inclined to play, which is to be the second biggest star on a team. It's not about who's the best player. It's about who's expected to carry the load in ways that go beyond just playing. Kyrie Irving was at his best by far when he was LeBron James' teammate. And that was that's not a coincidence. LeBron James shouldered so much of the weight that goes with having a team in the NBA. I mean, these guys are the franchise. They're more than just the face. They're the everything of these multi-billion dollar franchises. And that's just not a role that suits Kyrie Irving. I don't mean that necessarily as a criticism. I think it's just an obvious statement of fact. It didn't really work for him in Cleveland before LeBron came back. It didn't work for him in Boston. And and I don't think there was any obvious reason to think it was going to work for him in Brooklyn if he hadn't come there with KD. So now Kyrie can just play. And if there's one thing Kyrie Irving can do, boy, can he play basketball. He's spectacular. Sometimes you forget how good he is because of all of the crazy stuff. But he's an unbelievably good player. And he was born to be the second most famous person on a team. And he's got that now. Because Kevin Durant is that level of star. There are only a small handful of them. There's only a tiny little handful of guys in the world who are bigger than Kyrie Irving. But KD is one of them. So I think the Nets, not because they blew out Golden State last night, but just the little bits and pieces that you're seeing. If Steve Nash, uh, the the job is going to be a tough one for him because this is his first time coaching and they got a lot of mouths to feed. They got some good players there who I don't think are interested in being, you know, third, fourth fiddle because they're guys who want to make their own names in the NBA and are probably good enough to do it. So Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert and people like that. Like, I think DeAndre Jordan is there to try and be the guy who helps KD and Kyrie get where they want to go. Some of the other guys got to buy into those roles. And whether they do or they don't, who knows? We'll see. Part of that is the coach's job. But if they can do that, I think the Nets have a chance to be really good. Really good. And I think that would be very good news for the league in a variety of ways. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, protecting small businesses with specialized coverages for commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Hashtag Bubba, what is it you said in my ear there while I was uh, talking and I couldn't quite understand about Ryan Clark, who will be joining us shortly here? What were you telling me? Uh, I was saying he is going to be doing SportsCenter and he'll be joining us a little later. Okay, got it. So we'll have Ryan Clark a little bit later. Change of plans on the fly, no problem. Let me get to something I was going to get to a little later in the hour. You know, we've got this business with Dwayne Haskins now. And we talked about it yesterday. And this is not meant to pile on Dwayne Haskins, okay? I don't know Dwayne personally, hardly at all. I've met him a small handful of times. I liked him, and if you've listened to me on either radio or TV, you know I have been a huge supporter, which is one of the reasons I was so frustrated with this nonsense that he got involved in this week, where according in his, his version of the events, which I, I believe is that he, after their game on Sunday in which he threw 55 passes, most of them terrible, and they lost, um, in in blatant violation of all NFL protocols involving COVID, had a group of strippers to a hotel room where he had a private party with them, and they were not wearing masks. And as I said earlier, and this show today about James Harden, this is not about the stripping. I, I I have zero opinion on that. The part of the body that needed to be covered for the purposes of this discussion were the mouth and the nose. The rest of it is their business, not mine. But the mouth and the nose is critical right now because every single person in the National Football League is dependent upon every other person to have their back. And it's not just because his coach 
just underwent chemotherapy. Just We all just sat there and had tears in our eyes watching Ron Rivera ring the bell when he had his last chemo treatment. It's not even just about that. It's about everything. It's about, about the weight that every single player in pro football is carrying right now. And you know what it reminded me of? Because the, the immediate story on the other side is, well, they may need him to play this weekend. If Alex Smith isn't healthy enough to play, then they need Dwayne Haskins to go out there and play this weekend. It's a huge game. They can clinch the division in a game against Carolina. And I was reminded of our old friend, the great Herman Edwards. And something I'll never forget. This was October of 2003. Herman Edwards was coaching the New York Jets. The Jets were off to a terrible start to their season. They were 0-4 as memory serves. And one of their best players, John Abraham, who was an outside pass rusher, you may remember him, he got arrested for DUI during the week, during the week. And he came into the team and he acknowledged what he had done and he apologized. And his coach, Herman Edwards, made a decision. And it is something I have talked to Herman about a million times since then. His coach said to John Abraham, I am not going to suspend you. You are going to practice all week long. And then when the game comes on Sunday, you're going to stand next to me and you're not playing one snap. You're not playing one snap. Because the lesson you need to learn from this is more important than whether we win this game on Sunday or not. This was an NFL coach whose team was 0-4. And this is one of his best players. And that's what he did. John Abraham didn't play that game. And this part I had to look up because I wanted to remember the score. I remember the Jets blew out the team they played. And as it turns out, it was the Buffalo Bills, and they won 30-3. to Now, did they win because he benched John Abraham? I don't know that. I, we'll never know that. But I know they didn't lose because of it. And more importantly, I know that Herman Edwards sent the message that some things are more important. Some things are more important. And that's what I thought of when I hear people say to me, well, they, they can't do anything about this Dwayne Haskins thing right now because they may need him to play this weekend. Do they? Define need. They don't need him to play this weekend. They want him to play this weekend. You can want a lot of things. They probably wanted him not to do the stupid things that he did last weekend. And if you really want to send someone a message, then you take away from them the one thing that matters to them most, or at least that you assume does. So I found myself wondering that. Every time someone says, well, he's got to play this weekend. Will Ron Rivera do the same thing that Herman Edwards did? I'm not going to be critical of Ron if he doesn't. Everyone handles things differently. But I'll never forget how Herman handled that. And I've never stopped being impressed by it. Herman Edwards put whatever he deemed to be his principles ahead of winning. Now, there are counter arguments to that. One of them is, this isn't something that this, this wasn't a drunk driving violation, but it was a serious violation in its own way. It's as serious as anything you can do. As we've been talking about forever since this pandemic began, we're all dependent on each other. I come to work every single day. I got people sitting in this room with me right now, Brandon and Jenny and all these other people we work around. And we are all dependent upon each other being careful. I count on them and they count on me because I don't want to get this thing and I don't want to give it to them and I know they don't want to give it to me. So we're all careful. And I'm totally confident that if any of them didn't feel well one day, whatever. Now, I get tested every single week because I have to work in here without a mask. That's part of my job. But I know that anybody who's not feeling well is going to stay home that day. They're not going to come no matter what the consequences are. We're all counting on each other. We're all dependent on each other. None of us can do this. We can't get through this thing without each other. And so for someone to do something that is in such blatant violation of that, 
to just disrespect every other person in that room that blatantly. It's unimaginable to me. And so that's the first thing I thought of, is I wonder if Herman Edwards would play him. I don't think Herman will comment on this situation, not his player, not his team, not his situation. It, it wouldn't be appropriate, I don't think. I don't think he'd think it appropriate to play him this weekend. But I wonder what Herman would do. And you could do a lot worse in your life, by the way, than asking yourself, in most situations, what would Herman do? Because he's one of the smartest and most decent human beings you'll ever come across in your entire life. So that's one part of it. The other part of it that people will say to you is a counter-argument to benching a player in this circumstance. And again, he didn't suspend him. So he didn't take Abraham's money away in that situation. He could have suspended him for the week. And he would not have gotten paid. The player still got paid. He practiced all week. He went to all meetings. He did everything all week as though he was playing in the game. And, and Herman just said, but when the game comes, you were standing next to me. The whole game. So a very interesting way of doing it. So that's one side of it. The other side of it that people will say is, why would you punish the entire team for the mistake that one guy made? Why would you, if indeed it costs Washington a game that they desperately need, that all the 52 other guys on that team, or however many they have right now during this COVID time, that all those other guys need to win, why would you penalize them for something he did? It's a perfectly reasonable argument. I don't have a defense for it. I can't tell you it's the right thing to do. I'm not even telling you it's the right thing to do. I'm just telling you it's what I thought of when I heard people say that they desperately need him to play this weekend. Let's see what winds up happening. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance guests like Ryan Clark coming up on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Also want to let you know about a 30 for 30 podcast coming up. It's called March 11th, 2020. It's a standalone audio documentary that tells the story of the day the NBA shut down and the pandemic became real for so many Americans, as told by those who lived the events of that day and built entirely with archival and exclusive interviews, including Rudy Gobert and Dr. Anthony Fauci. March 11th, 2020 will tell the story of a day that started in one reality and ended in a new one. 30 for 30 podcast presents March 11th, 2020. Subscribe and listen now wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so busy we go as we continue here. Uh, we we're going to have Ryan Clark coming up and we will talk with him. And back to the NFL, we can go here with a couple of other uh, notes. And then I will mention also that today is Festivus, which is one of the most important holidays, in my opinion, on the calendar. And we'll be taking your grievances. A super Festivus edition of the airing of grievances is coming up in 15 minutes. So if you want to start calling with those, we will start lining those up now. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776 is the phone number. Go ahead and light up those lines right now with your airing of grievances, and those are coming up in 15 minutes. In the meantime, Sean Payton, head coach New Orleans Saints, was a little put off by a question that he was asked that I think was a reasonable question. And I thought there was something interesting going on here. Sean Payton was asked, basically, are you concerned that your teams might sometimes peak too soon? Always seem to be the best team in the NFL, week 11 or 12. And then you seem to get knocked out of the playoffs, and now you've lost a couple of games and whatever else it might be. Are you worried about your team peaking too early? Here's what Sean Payton said. I think there's a little laziness relative to research and saying, well, they get to the playoffs, they're one and done. Not really. Will it need to be the Super Bowl? Yeah, probably so. I mean, but you know what? That's a good measuring stick, and that gives you an indication of how organizationally the culture's changed. So, I, I, look, there's a couple of different ways to analyze what Sean just said. First and foremost, Sean Payton is a, a spectacular coach. He is uh, one of the top 
three or four NFL coaches of his era, of his generation. I think if he wins one more Super Bowl, he will start to be someone you give serious consideration to the Hall of Fame to. So Sean Payton is an all-time great coach. And no no statement that I make following this one should be in any way meant to um, question that. He's a great coach. And they've had an unbelievable run. The consistency, the resilience, which is what he's talking about, to bounce back from these terrible losses, the Minneapolis miracle, the terrible call against the Rams, all of that. To keep bouncing back, it does show great character. It does show great leadership. It does show great culture. All those are true. But I do think it is reasonable to say that that team does tend to peak early, and I don't know exactly why it is. But I'm thinking back to a couple of years ago, the year they wound up getting bounced out in the NFC Championship game by that terrible call, a game in which, by the way, they did not play well. Drew Brees did not play well. And people act like that call lost the game. What it actually did was keep them from icing the game. But they should have won the game anyway, or at least they could have. And Drew did not play well that day, and they got beat by Jared Goff. Yes, one terrible call went a long way towards deciding the game, and no way, shape, or form am I disputing that. But it wasn't the only thing that didn't look right that day. The Saints, I do believe it is reasonable to say, week 11, 12, 13 always look like they're the best team. And I always thought that the problem was that as Drew was getting older, that his arm was getting tired, and that he would lose a little bit of that zip, and he didn't look as good in the playoffs, and that is why they weren't as dangerous a playoff team. I actually brought up the idea that they might load manage Drew Brees. We talked about it this past summer. Give him a week or two off during the season just to rest the arm completely. No one bought that idea, but I don't think it's completely crazy. As much as I hate load management, it might be the answer to having him fresh in the playoffs. Now, for consecutive seasons, including this one, injury has taken care of that. I thought that last year would be different for them. I thought they would go into the playoffs and be great because Drew missed all that time. He missed all those games and Bridgewater stepped in, won all of those starts, kept everything intact. I thought the Saints were going to be ready to go. And then they went out and looked terrible in a playoff game and lost to Kirk Cousins in Minnesota in the Superdome. An overtime game in their own building. So I don't think that's an unreasonable way to look at it. And now, you know, Breeze is coming back from a terrible injury. I mean, 11 fractured ribs and a punctured lung. What could sound worse than that? So... Look, they have a great defense. They fought Kansas City pretty tough considering how rusty and and just not great Drew looked on Sunday. Maybe they do get it together. I'll be rooting for them like crazy. They're a fun team to watch. They're an easy team to root for, an easy team to like. Sean's a great guy and, again, a great coach. And Drew is one of the all-time greats who you would love to see go out with a championship. How many of the all-time greats go out with a Super Bowl championship in their final game? So few of them. I'm thinking of... Hall of Famers who went out with a championship in their final game. Off the top of my head, Jerome Bettis did. Peyton Manning did. John Elway did. It's a small number, not a big number of players who won the Super Bowl in their final game. Breeze could do that, and I think you'd love to see him do it. But I don't think it's unreasonable to ask the question, why has this team generally been better in the middle of the season than they have been at the end when it matters the most? I think it's a fair question to ask. All right, the next questions are coming for you because today is Festivus. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. No, 
You're going to hear about it. Oh, the writing is so brilliant. We will air your grievances at 888-SAY-ESPN, uh, 888-729-3776. You call up with your grievances. They're coming your way next. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is Greeny. We're coming to you live from above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. And of course, we are rapidly approaching Christmas here. It is the festive holiday season. And the, there are so many holidays that we can celebrate and enjoy. My particular favorite is the holiday of Festivus, which was the ingenious creation of the minds of Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David in one of the all-time memorable episodes of the brilliant TV show Seinfeld. So in case you don't really know much about Festivus, Festivus was a, a holiday that was created by the Costanza family in uh, on the show Seinfeld, and it was described in a variety of ways by the patriarch of that family, uh, whose name was Frank Costanza. And at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. <laughs> and is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. <laughs> Frank, this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I itch. Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back! I'll get the pole out of the crawl space. So, Festivus, which is today on the calendar, uh, the first e- episode, the first, um, the first event of this holiday, if you will, is the airing of grievances. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now... You're going to hear about it. So with today being Festivus, I'm counting on the grievances being extra good today. Let's do it. Bubba, let's get some of these people going here who've got some things to air. They're on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Who's first up, Bubba? Yeah, Dino in the Bronx. All right, Dino, you're first up here. Air your grievance. Well, how are the Knicks the most valuable franchise in NBA, and they're still so garbage, and tickets are so expensive? Dino, thank you. I didn't understand a word that he said. Our connection is not as good as I would like it to be. Bubba, what did he say? He said, I don't understand how the Knicks are the most valuable franchise and be such garbage and their tickets are so expensive. <laughs> well, you and everybody else, my friend, um, the value of the franchise has nothing to do with how good they are. It's because they play in Madison Square Garden and because they can charge all that money for those seats where famous people sit on the court and everything else that goes on with the Knicks, that it doesn't really make any difference to the bottom line of the man who owns the team, whether they win any games or not. I genuinely think he wants to win, but everybody wants to win. Anybody just wants to, to quote another Seinfeldism, anyone could just take them. You got to hold them. So, um, yes, Dino, I think you sp- your grievance speaks to the frustration of millions of other fans. Uh, who is next on the Dr. Pepper call-in line? Bubba. Next up is Jim. Jim, air your grievance. I have a problem with Charlie Woods. 
<laughs> I am not okay with an 11 year old child being so good looking and so good at golf that I wasted 40 years of my life trying to even hit one ball the way he had that magnificent swing. That is not fair. It is not legal. I have a problem with this. This should not be allowed. I have, I, it should be banned from golf. In all seriousness, though, how awesome was that? If he does not win the SB for best moment, I got nothing for you. Brilliantly said. Well, yeah, that is one of my all-time – you know what? I salute you. I don't know what else to do. I have nothing to give you. I'd like to give you a gift for such an outstanding airing of grievance um, and so beautifully phrased and so hilariously put, but I have nothing. So please accept merely my hearty congratulations and this salute for our job outstandingly well done. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're airing grievances on this festivist day. Bubba, who's next? Josh is up. All right, Josh, air your grievance. I got a lot of problems with the L.A. Clippers. You know why? Because, okay, they beat the Lakers. That's a great win. But they can't stay consistent. They blow so many leads. I shouldn't be happy, I don't think. I think they're they're just going to go back to the same shenanigans, talk a bunch of trash, and then suck. It sucks being a Clipper fan. Merry Christmas, Mike. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Maybe this is, you know, I've had people try to convince me that a year together without all of the stuff that happened last year with the COVID and the bubble and everything else, Paul George looked great last night. Now, it's one thing to look great in the fourth quarter of game number one. It's a whole other thing to look great in the fourth quarter of games that are normally played in May and June. And last year were played in September and October. Um Look, I understand your frustration. The Clippers have never even made the conference final, and last year blew a 3-1 lead in the playoffs to Denver. So there is, they've given you every reason to have no faith in them. I totally understand that. But one of these days it's going to happen. And if it's going to, there's as good a chance that Ka- Kawhi Leonard will be the reason that it does as anybody. So let's give them a shot. I give the Clippers a shot this year. I don't pick them by any means. But let's give them a shot to hopefully lift your spirits. Greeny with you. Dr. Pepper call in line is where we find our friends. Bubba, who's next? Yeah, next up is Pat. All right, Pat, air your grievance. I got a lot of problems. I got a pro- I got big problems with head coach Anthony Lynn and his clock time management. He's so bad, he stinks. He can't even manage a cuckoo clock. And when he gets put in fourth and, and short, he puts in his kicker. Who wants to stink? You got a go for it, Coach Lynn. I'm not going to lie to you. Bubba, at some point while I'm off, we have to do something about this connection. Because I did not understand a word that that man just said. But I loved everything about it that I could tell. Give me the give me the summation. <laughs> well, of it. What I, was he ta- who was he talking? Well, to be about? honest, I struggled to translate some of that too. So that wasn't only on you. Okay, I can tell you he was angry about Anthony Lynn and his clock management. Oh. That much I know. Okay, well that get in line. Like I like Anthony. Everyone loves him, and he is is one, and he will have a job in the NFL for the rest of his life. But it will not be as head coach. Unfortunately, they've had one horrendous moment after another there in in the in the area of clock management. You know what? And he's he's going to lose his job, unfortunately, and that's going to become a job a lot of people are going to want because the pressure level is generally low and the quarterback threshold is super high. That kid Justin Herbert is spectacular. They have some good young players on both sides of the ball. That's going to be a job people want. It's a good grievance. Uh Bubba, we have time for at least one more. Who's next? Yeah, we got uh 
Uh, we have Nuno in Control Room 2. Nuno, who has a uh, grievance. Nuno, who is the producer of this program, is in Control Room 2. Go ahead, Nuno. What is your grievance? My grievance is, and listen, we all know it's been a tough time, a tough year, but why are people sending their out-of-office emails when they've been out of the office since March? Like, I don't, like, if I send you an email, I don't want to, you know, get it bounced back and be like, I'm out of the office. I didn't need to know that because you haven't been here. <laughs> That's a hilarious thing. You know, I love people. I love the little things. See, this is the, the, the piece of human behavior that fascinates me. Like, little things bother different people. We're all bothered by different little things. That's what made Seinfeld such a brilliant show was that he he zoned in, honed in on all the tiny little nuances of life. And Larry David has done exactly the same thing on um, Curb Your Enthusiasm now. You hone in on the tiny little things. So all of us have those little pet peeves, the little things that bother us. The bounce back of the out-of-office email when a great many people have been out of their office now for nine months. That bothers Nuno. Doesn't bother me. I can't put my finger on why Jenny is in the room. Does it bother you? You, you must get those. Doesn't She's shaking her head no. You have to take my word for it. It doesn't bother her. It doesn't bother me either. But it does bother, it seems, at least Nuno and maybe some other people. Bubba, are there any more? Or are we going to wrap up the grievances with that? Uh, I think we're done. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. No. You're going to hear about it. There's still never been anything like it. There's never been anything like that show. I said it at the time. When that show was on in the 90s, when it was in its heyday, Jerry and I, he's older than I am, but he's so young looking, I thought we were about the same age. And at that time, we were exactly the same person. I was also a thin, single, neat Jewish guy uh, living by myself, and he just put my life on television and made himself a billionaire. So I've always kind of resented that, but he's a genius, and it is a great fun to celebrate his holiday together with you on this day. Coming up next, I will tell you what is, without question, the most important NFL game of this weekend. That's next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. A festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> Greeny, the podcast. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we are back here, Greeny, with you on ESPN Radio. I was just told to check my email, and here it is. This is a post from John Keim, who covers the Washington football team. Quarterback Dwayne Haskins is taking the first-team reps in practice. Alex Smith is not practicing because of a strained calf. 
There's been some optimism he could return this week, but it's not a definite. That's why Haskins is still around after his breach of COVID protocol Sunday night. He can't be in meetings with the others and instead will join via Zoom. So that's just a complete mess of the young man's making. I opened the hour today by telling you I tend to subscribe to the theory of what would Herman do. Herman would teach a lesson in this circumstance regardless of the overall price that is paid by the football team. That's not what everyone would necessarily do. I'm not critical of Ron Rivera for not doing it, but I know it's what Herman would do because I know it's what he did. He did it 17 years ago, Herman Edwards with John Abraham. All right, uh, coming up, I will tell you here, um, before we get to the, the greeny genius, Green Stadamus piece of the program today, that the most important game of the NFL weekend this week is Green Bay, Tennessee. Green Bay, Tennessee, and here's why. Because... What the Tennessee Titans do better than any other team in the NFL is the one thing I'm still not convinced isn't Green Bay's Achilles heel. And that is they give the ball to Derrick Henry and they have Derrick Henry just run it right down your throat. And you cannot go deep in the playoffs if people can run it down your throat. So we've seen the Packers look a lot better and people are talking about how well their offensive line has played, which it has, and how their weapons have come alive, which they have, and how they got not one but two good running backs now, which they do, and Rodgers is playing at an MVP level, which he is, and the defense is getting better, which they are. But the big question is, can they still be run on? Dalvin Cook did it to them. Will Derrick Henry, if they shut down Henry, and I'm not talking about hold him to 27 yards, But if they control the game with Derrick Henry, then I will say to you, the Green Bay Packers are the team to beat in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl. Simply put, if they don't get run on, they're the best team in the NFC. They're the most complete beyond that. But that's a terrible place to be weak. That's one of the worst weaknesses you can have. So it's a little bit of a a cross message here, which is if they get gashed by Henry in the running game, then they are exactly what we thought they were, or at least I thought they were. If they shut down Derrick Henry and they beat Tennessee this weekend, Henry doesn't run wild against them, then they will convince me they are the team to beat in the NFC and headed to the Super Bowl this year, where a matchup of Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes would be about as good as anything you could ever possibly imagine. All right, let's take a look into the future. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long Long after after its time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's a genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. That's right, Charles. Uh, So I told you earlier that after today, we've got the holiday, the next two days, and then I'm off next week. So we will be together again, you and I, on January 4th. A lot of stuff is going to happen between now and then. So I know what you're wondering. You're wondering, Greeny, what are all the things that are going to happen? How are all these things going to turn out? The good news is I can tell you right now, with the help of my disheveled board operator, Bubba, who will present to me some different questions, and I will answer them right here. Bubba, go ahead. What is our first question? All right, let's start college football playoff. The semis are on New Year's Day, and we got it right here. ESPN, ESPN Radio. We'll start with the Rose Bowl game. Number four, Notre Dame. Number one, Alabama. Alabama minus 19 and a half. Who you got? I have Bama, but I don't think they'll cover. I say that with my heart as much as my head. I'm rooting for Notre Dame. I was there the last time these teams played for the championship eight years ago. It was an ugly day. I hope it doesn't look like that. Alabama is the better team, and I firmly expect them to win. The question is, do they cover that huge number? Three touchdowns? I don't think so, and I hope not. I'll take Alabama to win the game and, and, a, and a, with a high number, something like 44 to 30. 
not covering the number, and I hope that it's a game in the second half. That's how that one is going to go. Bubba, what's next? All right, how about the Sugar Bowl? Also, ESPN, ESPN Radio, number three, Ohio State, number two, Clemson. This one has Clemson, minus seven and a half. We got? All right, so the, the, the reality of it is this. In games that Trevor Lawrence has been on the field, no one has played with them. They didn't just kill Notre Dame. They killed everybody they played this year. The only two close games they played all year were the two games Lawrence didn't play. One of them they lost in double overtime to Notre Dame. They're not losing. There's no way in the world they're losing here. Ohio State, they're not, this is not the same Ohio State team we've seen the last couple of years. They're a powerhouse program, but they're vulnerable this year, much more so than they were a year ago. Clemson beat them last year in a game I thought Ohio State should win. This is a game Clemson should win, and I believe they will, and they'll cover the number. I will take Clemson in an, another high-scoring game by 11. Give me Clemson 41-30. to and they will advance, and they will cover the number. Bubba, what's next? All right, how about the number one pick of the NFL draft? It seems like it was going to be the Jets for most of the season. Now it's the Jaguars, so come January 4th when the season ends, who's picking number one? I hate to say it, but the Jets blew it. And again, their players should not, this should never have been on their mind, not that it ever was, but the one thing that they had going for them was the number one pick, and now they're not going to get it. The Jaguars, I will be stunned, beyond belief stunned, if they win a game, and if the two teams wind up tied at 1-15, Jacksonville's going to get the pick. So the Jaguars will get the number one pick. We have time for one more, Bubba. Pick a good one. All right, and as a result of maybe losing that number one pick, Sam Darnold or someone else is going to be the Jets' starting quarterback next year. I have to be honest with you. I think it's going to be someone else. I, I just can't picture with how badly things have gone here that he doesn't need a change of scenery and that they're not going to look for a different answer. It's not, I'm not necessarily saying I think that's the right thing, but I believe that's what they will do. I do not believe Darnold will be back. Most of me hopes that he is. All right, we're going to wrap it there because we are out of time. Listen, I just want to say this has been a spectacular year for me to come back and do this. I came back in the middle of August. Um, I came back because I, I knew I missed it. Because sometimes in life you don't know what you've got till it's gone. I miss this interaction. I miss the opportunity to sit here and talk with you every single day. Not talk at you, but talk with you. It has been a pleasure. It has been a privilege. It is my privilege that you choose to spend this time with me as often as you do. So we'll take a little time off here. I wish you and your family a very safe, healthy, and happy holidays. I will be back January 4th, and we will start having some more fun then. I'll see you. Greeny, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.